Sleep isn't just an eight-hour break from our lives. It's actually a vital rebuilding tool for our bodies. It rebuilds our cells. It rebuilds our brains. It's critical for our mental, our emotional, and our physical health. And yet it eludes millions and has become an even greater challenge with the coronavirus pandemic. Difficulties, of course, are understandable, but they're not sustainable. We cannot continue to live on the stress, the angst, and the lack of sleep. So now what? Well, I spoke to Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum. He came back on a Facebook Live with me again. Um, he's a leading expert on chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, and sleep, and he can help you to solve those problems. So join us. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review this, and please share it, because there are an awful lot of sleepy people out there that really need some help. Hi, all. If only I wasn't a minute late all the time or two minutes late. You're probably far prompter than I am. Anyway, happy Thursday afternoon Facebook Live on Bottom Line Inc.'s Facebook page. I am Sarah Heiner, and thanks for being here again. Um, we are back today with Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum, and we're going to talk about sleep today. Let me just remind you all, if you have questions that you want to ask the doctor, please, 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 Post them on in the chat line and we will get them to me if I can get my, my little phone all set up, my high-tech system here. Um, and also, you know, this is now the third um, live that I've done with Jake. We've talked about immune. We've talked about um, treatments for COVID and coronavirus, um, treatments and testing. Um, and we've also I've done a few other ones about emotional challenges. Um, I just did one the other day um, from inside the ICU with the doctor that's been treating patients um, inside the ICU at Stanford Hospital, which is one of the um, central places. It's been one of the hotbeds in Connecticut and in the Northeast. So that was a great conversation we had. If you want to hear what's really going on, what they're doing, how they've learned about the disease in the last eight weeks. So it's been a really interesting, interesting conversation. So all of those actually, you can see them, they're in, in the bottom line page on Facebook. They're also in our YouTube channel, if you wanna go check that out. Um, we have actually hundreds of videos in our YouTube channel, great bottom line tidbits. Um, so be sure to listen, come back, we're gonna keep doing these and share these, tell, tell your friends about them. All right, let me tell you once again about the great Jacob Teitelbaum, who is here with me today. He is, um, coming from happy, he's so happy all the time because you're from Hawaii, you're in Hawaii and it's beautiful. Um, board certified internist, holistic physician, and nationally known experts in the fields of chronic pain syndrome, fibromyalgia, sleep and pain, and sleep actually underneath so many of these things, so many of our challenges. Um, he's the author of numerous books, including The Fatigue and Fibromyalgia Solution and Real Cause, Real Cures, which bottom line is going to be promoting, selling, I think we launch it in about two weeks. So super excited about that. Um, he also has a great app called Cures, uh, Cures A to Z, that Cures A to Z free for iPhones and Androids. And this is a great app, it, literally a list of hundreds of diseases and what you should do about them. So check that out. And that is free. Um, and so the topic of the day is sleep. And I don't know about you, but whether or not you've had sleep problems about what tens of millions of people, 45 million people or so have trouble sleeping on a regular basis. And this pandemic, oh, by the way, not helping people sleeping for all sorts of reasons. So we thought it would be a really great topic to talk about. Um, so welcome, Jake. It's always great to see you. Sarah, awesome to be with you and with the gang tonight. And we're going to teach you today how, why that eight-hour sleep a night is the best time that you are spending each day and most important for your body. Uh, I remember growing up, Sarah, when I was a kid, uh, I used to think the sleep was a waste of time. Why would I do that? Yeah. Boy, I was so wrong. So <laughs> I would say that Americans, like, we wear our lack of sleep like a badge of honor. 
right? Mm -hmm. It started in college or it started in high school, right? How late did you go to bed, right? Because you always want to go to bed later. And then you go to college and you're proud if you pulled an all-nighter, you're a hero, right? You pulled three all-nighters in a row. And then even as, you know, through adulthood, that somehow we, we are, we feel like we're lazy if we're sleeping too much. And, um, but it's not true at all. And this was a, a major kind of smackdown in my face because I've always been one of those, you know, I got things to do and not a huge sleeper. And it's really a slap in the face, like holy crap, in terms of how mm -hmm. much work our body is doing and no, you're not lazy and no, you're not wasting time to get a good night's sleep. So can you please sell everybody on the concept of sleep? And like, it's fascinating how much happens in your body and how hard our body's working while we're sleeping. Absolutely. Sleep is not just a time for regeneration of the body because we're recharging the batteries, we're recharging energy. Our road crews are out fixing everything that's going on. That's the time our body does its repair. So if you're wondering why you're depressed and down and anxious, well, your brain neurotransmitters didn't have a chance to recharge. Do you wonder why you're in pain? The road crews weren't out fixing those little muscle micro tears. And a major cause of chronic pain in this country is inadequate sleep. You wonder why your brain doesn't work? Same thing. But there's another bigger piece there that we don't talk about as much. We are taught in our society to be so kind of brainy smurf. It's all about the mind. You know, yeah, you can have feelings, but we laugh at them, poo-poo them, put them down. We're still a, a patriarchal society in that way. And sleep is when, it's kind of like when our spirit, our psyche gets to be itself, run free and process everything for the day. Because if you haven't processed your experiences and you're just running into the next one, you're going to be disconnected. And the sleep is a big part of connecting to yourself. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, I find when I go from event to event to event to event, that without having a moment of quiet, and we really have very little time of quiet in our lives between you know, screens and work and Netflix. You know, I've talked to a number of people that say, you know, they could go to bed earlier, but they're so caught up in their you know, Netflix binging and they have to watch the whole series at one time, they're going to bed late. And they, you don't have that quiet to just let the body absorb and do. That's the funny thing about the Netflix and the shows. Use it to your advantage for sleep. Don't watch something new or don't watch something that's like going to make your adrenaline pump. Find something that's mindless that you've seen 20 times before where you could say the words with everybody else and let that be kind of like when you have a kid and you have your bedtime routine. They watch the same movie over and over so they drift off while they're doing it. You know, it's funny, my wife does that. It was kind of an interesting period when she used to do that to Family Guy. But, you know, for other shows, it's kind of, yeah. <laughs> She'll watch Friends for the 400th time and it can use it as a sleep tool instead yeah, okay. of watching new stuff. And we'll talk about some of those tools later on. And does that, but while we're talking about that at the moment, like does that also, a lot of people will talk about they've got busy minds and that mm -hmm. lets your mind kind of, you know, step out of that, distract it just enough without becoming engaging. Exactly. It creates a time for calm, something yeah. very predictable, very almost boring, but enjoyable. So your brain can yeah. disconnect. Yeah. You know? All right, let's go back though to some of those things that, that our body's doing. So it is like, it's rebuilding those tissues that are breaking down. Is I think there's a huge, what's the number, like the cell turnover in our bodies every day? It's like, uh, massive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're slept off and die and, and regenerate. Um, the other thing is actually also weight gain. 
Mm-hmm. That if you don't get enough sleep, talk about that for a moment. Because I don't know about you, I put on a pair of jeans today, and I went, "Thank goodness they fit," because I wasn't quite sure. Um, uh-huh. Well, if it's not enough that you're going to have a brain and you're not going to be in pain and you're going to have energy, if that's not enough for you, the research shows that not getting enough sleep is associated with a thirty percent higher risk of obesity and an average six and a half pound weight gain. So, six and a half pounds over when? Just, uh, just in general, if they take a look at people who sleep yeah. uh, X number of hours versus who sleep more, those mm-hmm. who get more sleep weigh six and a half pounds less. So they didn't right. measure it over the period. But if you want to be a size smaller, you know, make an extra two hours of shy for yourself. Get your eight hours of sleep a night or whatever feels best to you. And there's a reason that that's happening. There, there are two hormones. There's ghrelin and leptin. One of them that suppresses your appetite and one of them that increases your appetite. Yes, those two in growth hormone, those three together uh, are, will cause your weight to go down, your appetite to go down, but the growth hormone also turns fat into muscle. So not just will the weight go down, but you're going to stay, the studies show you're going to look 10 years younger if you have the good levels of growth hormone that you get from well, sleep, sex, and exercise, those three. Right. So all of these things contribute to the weight loss and you're just, you know, not aging. You're basically staying young or younger anyway. Yeah, yeah. no, it's funny. And I, I, I like to, I like details. So just yeah. you know, specifically the leptin, which is something that, that makes you eat less. Mm-hmm. When you're sleep deprived, you have less of that. And mm-hmm. when you're sleep deprived, you have more of the ghrelin that increases your appetite. Mm-hmm. So we're just, we're, we're dialing our chemicals in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. All right. So hopefully I've now convinced everybody, we've convinced everybody that they should go to sleep. Um, and what's the optimal amount, I mean, ideally? Well, everybody varies. It's like ask, asking what is the optimal shoe size. So I can say on average it's going to be about an eight, but you want to tailor it to yourself. So let me give some perspective first. The average night's sleep in the United States, average, until 140 years ago when light bulbs were invented, was nine hours a night, average. So that'll give us a good idea historically what our body wants. It used to be 11 hours a night if you go back a thousand years. Well, was that uh, also, though, let me ask you though, I mean, did, was it nine hours a night because life was more physical then as well? I mean, it, it, I think it was nine hours a night because it got dark and people went to bed. Mm-hmm. Candles were pricey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like now, you know, now we're sitting on our butts watching Netflix and mm-hmm. versus where even just cooking dinner was far more physical. Like every life was more physical. It was, and that wouldn't hurt us either. That'll be a, a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean movement and exercise is good? I had no idea. If it's fun. So the thing is, so how do you tell what an optimal night's sleep is for you? Um, so we know eight to nine hours is probably going to put you right in the mid-range of optimal for most people. But take a couple nights and just sleep without the alarm clock in the morning and see how many hours you sleep. You know, you'll take the first two nights and clear out some sleep deficits and then see where your body naturally wakes up and how you feel. And that will tell you what's optimal for you. So if you sleep seven and a half hours or nine hours, whatever it is, and you feel good the next day, that shoe fits. That is what's optimal for you. So let me ask you this. There's, there's a period in the evening when I feel really tired. Mm-hmm. And, and then... I will push through it usually. That's usually like between, I'll call it 10 and 11. And if I push past that 10, then I get a second wind. Like if I don't go to bed by a certain time. So is there also while they're doing this exercise to pay attention 
to their um, their their sleep set, like how they're feeling in the evening, and go with that. If your body gets t- feels tired, try going to sleep then, mm-hmm. so that because exactly. otherwise, again, I force myself often because I'm in the, I have one more thing I have to do too. It's not Netflix, but there's always one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that part of the formula? Yes, because there is a natural phase and a period where your body will go into this, okay, I'm ready to take off and to sleep, and you don't want to miss the bus. And if you do, it'll come around again and again. But when you're getting around the time that you want to go to sleep, listen to those cues, but not just listen to the cues. Create the cues with a nighttime routine. It's just like when you put your kids to bed when they're little. You didn't tell the girls, you know, hey, let's run like crazy and off to bed. You have the routine where you say, okay, let's watch the little print, the little mermaid or whatever the thing was, the same thing over and over again, the same bedtime right. stories. And that cues the body to create that ready for sleep now. Right. And we'll talk, and, again, we'll talk about the sleep hygiene and all of that. Now, mm-hmm. some people get, you know, in a minute, I want to talk about the sleep problems and the different causes. Some people have a hard time falling asleep. Some people have a hard time staying asleep. I find I don't want to get anyone to get, feel pressure on themselves. Like, Different people have different body clocks. I know so I'm mostly a six to seven hour person. I'm just not an eight to nine person. Some, I've heard of people that are four and five hour people. Like it's just how they are. Um, and sh- I, don't, I don't want people to have stress if they're not an eight hour person, right? That they shouldn't get anxious or if they have a hard time falling asleep, that they shouldn't get anxious about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's not a matter of being anxious and certainly don't make this one more should on yourself. Well, I should be this, I should be that, and I should do the other, and I should get this much sleep. Don't spend the day going around shooting on yourself, please. You know, it's just, uh, this is something you get to do, and there's no right or wrong to it, except what works for you, what feels the best. So play with it. And if one thing didn't feel the best, no beating yourself over the head about it. Just, okay, just notice, and then try something else, and just notice, see what works. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, again, we talk about this in a number of our things about paying attention to your body and really listening to your body. And it's mm-hmm. it's hard to do when you're busy rushing around. Yeah. Can that offset some sleep deprivation? Yes. Most of human history until the Industrial Revolution, people would have lunch and they would nap for an hour or two. And that's... So I think that's a pretty healthy thing, but the factory owners didn't want to doing that, so we kind of broke that habit. So yes, it's okay to nap, but don't nap too late in the day or you're going to disrupt your sleep. So a natural time for napping is after lunch because the food and digestion triggers the sleep cycle. So just go with that natural flow of things. Have your 45 minutes to an hour, set a clock to wake you up in an hour after the nap or whatever feels best to you, and often be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed the rest of the day. And is the nap restorative the way that overnight sleep is? I, I'm a micro-napper. I can take <laughs> I, I can take a, a four-minute nap and right. it just totally recharges my batteries. So they may, nobody that I've seen has looked at the sleep cycle stages, mm-hmm. but an hour gives long enough to really go through a complete sleep cycle and recharge the batteries. The bottom line is, you know, because you wake up and especially if you splash some cold water on your face to turn the nervous system back into the adrenaline system, it is restorative. Gotcha. I have to apologize to everybody. Of course, the gardeners decided to be outside. So I'm hoping that you can hear me okay. Um, So anyway, so yes, I apologize for that. Bad planning, worse planning. Um, Anyway, all right. So 
let's talk about sleep problems and the different causes of them. Again, there, there's, there's um, different, there's, um, you have trouble falling asleep, you have trouble staying asleep, and then you, have, you wake up early. So for those who have trouble falling asleep, number one is that expectation of going from high adrenaline to just out cold. Your body doesn't work that way. So you want to set up the sleep routine uh, and just like you would for your, your kids, make something enjoyable for that hour before, no stress, not heavy thinking. Uh, in the wintertime, a hot bath with even a cup of Epsom salts in it um, or just watching a show you've watched a hundred times. Just find something simple, a glass of wine. And yes, it is okay to have a drink before bedtime. Just don't have five of them because it'll disrupt your sleep. You know, find a simple routine that this is your reward time. Now, a lot of you are going to find that even doing that, you know, you're going to bed, it's 9 or 10 o'clock, and your mind is wide awake and racing. In fact, you may find my brain is gone all day and I'm tired all day, but now it's wide awake and I when it's time for sleep. And uh, that has to do, especially if you get irritable when hungry during the day, about a quarter of people do, they get hangry. Um, and especially in the news media world, that goes up to about 50% or more because of the deadlines. Um, then what's happening is your stress hormone is supposed to be high in the morning at about 18 and go under one at bedtime so you can sleep. Otherwise, you can't fall asleep. Um, and if your mind is racing, racing and wired, then you need to bring that cortisol stress hormone down. You can do that very simply. There's something called Sleep Tonight. is a nice product that does that. Uh, any phosphatidylserine, 100 to 200 milligrams. You take that about an hour before bedtime, 90 minutes before bedtime. It'll bring down the cortisol stress hormone so your brain can go, go off duty so you can sleep. Um, but when you have that, it's also very common that so think about this. You get irritable during the day when hungry, wired at night, and wake up two in the morning. This is all adrenal fatigue. The adrenal hormone, the day-night cycle is thrown off from the stress of your life. Um, so for the falling asleep, um, if your mind is wired, the sleep tonight or other phosphatidylserine product. But if you just have trouble disconnecting and falling asleep, there are herbals that are wonderful. Um, my favorite mix is a mix of six herbs called the Revitalizing Sleep Formula. There's another one called Terrific ZZZZ. You can do them both together. Melatonin uh, can be very helpful. Um, so just simple things can leave you sleeping like a kitten. Uh, and these things help you fall asleep and stay asleep. So it's not hard. And even for those of you with severe insomnia, you have these simple tools uh, that can knock you out and leave you feeling great. Let's talk about, and I'm sorry, I, the, the, the noise outside so sent me off the, like, had, I had my own brain problem for a moment. Um, let's talk about the, um, besides the, the, the supplements and the, you know, foods that can help you fall asleep. What about, let's go back to that, um, the, the nighttime hygiene, right? So the, the evening routines and how important that is. And should people like, again, find a bedtime the same way we did for our kids. And then what, you know, outline, I'll call it the ideal routine, evening routine for people. Yep. Our body loves routine. It likes predictability. It likes to know what's coming when. So, and it's just like for those of you who have kids, you know the importance of a bedtime routine so your kids can sleep and you can be sane. And the same thing for us as adults, we're just big kids. So like I said, find the time, it doesn't have to be exact, but roughly about this time of night, 
I'm going to disconnect and stop doing things that are worrying, paying bills. You know, you, you, are you going to have your kids watch a horror movie before bedtime? No. And if you think of the way the news media has become today, God bless them, they're good people. But their main goal is to scare you to death and make you hate everybody. It doesn't inform you. I don't care which side of the aisle people are on. Um, it's a fiction meant to scare you and make you angry so that you watch 24-7. They can sell the advertising. Don't watch that before. Now, the other thing is people say, I have no time for sleep. So, Sarah, what I like people to do is to start with a simple exercise. And do this right now. If you're sitting by a piece of paper and a pen, folks, just take that paper, make two columns. On one side, put things that feel good. On the other side, things that don't feel good, that you spend time on in your life. So if watching the news, do you feel good when you watch the news? I know I can watch it for about three and a half seconds before I'm gritting my teeth. Put that in that doesn't feel good. Going to committee meetings, to waste everybody's time, whatever it happens to be. Put that in the doesn't feel good column. And then anything in that column that you're not going to be arrested or homeless for not doing, uh, start to disconnect from those. To reduce the pressures and get the get all that constant angst out of us. Yeah, let it go. Stop putting your energy, focus, and time into. I, I used to be a, the chairman of the board and, and on the board of like God, like countless committees and stuff. And I dragged my sorry ass home one night again at eleven o'clock, and my wife said, "How was it?" I said, "It was an utter waste of time." You had people with a collective income of twenty thousand dollars an hour spending an hour arguing about spending ten dollars. I finally slapped a ten dollar bill on the table and said, "Next," and she said, "Why do you do it?" Yeah. And it was like this light bulb went off. Ding. You know, it's like, a hard thing because you want to also contribute to the community. You want mm -hmm. to, if you've got kids, you want to be involved at the mm -hmm. schools. If you're in a community, you want to be on the board there. You want to be involved with the HOA. You want to, you know, have your clubs. And, mm -hmm. and for social connection, it's really important to people. But, but so here's the trick, Sarah. So that's why I didn't say the things you think right. you should do on the top of the list. I said the things that feel F-E-E-L, underline, bold caps, feel good versus those that don't. So I, one of the things I was doing was starting a new school, and I was the chairman of the board and chief of fundraising. That was a passion. I love that. I kept that, dropped every one of the other ones. Right. You'll be amazed how much stuff we do because we think we should. But ignore what your brain's saying. How does it feel? If it feels good, that's your psyche's way of saying it's authentic. Go with it. But the ones that don't, snip, snip cut loose, take time for sleep. It's funny, actually, um, this is a little bit off topic, but you know me. Um, I had a friend when it came to, to charitable donations, you know, everyone's always got their hands out and he would pick one or two that he could do something significant with rather than $10 here, $10 here, $10 here. And I think the same thing goes here. Pick your one activity that you really want to commit to and be heavily involved with rather than, you know, bake for the cupcake sale and collect for the silent auction and, you know, do the, you know, <laughs> greens keeping in the town, you know, gardens, whatever, like pick where you can really deeply get involved. And then you don't have as many, you know, all the frenetic pulls as well. Yeah, and that's one one trick as well. For me, like I say, I, I let my intuition guide me. And to me, the brain isn't the intuition. It's the feelings are kind of the language of intuition. Um, so, how about, so don't, um, don't feel Jake, how about, you know, the blue light on the screens and stuff? Um, you know, there's a lot that people say, get off the screens because that's agitating your brain and or wear blue light glasses. 
I think blue light glasses seem a bit excessive. If you, most of the phones these days will have an automatic nighttime setting mm -hmm. that will tone down the blues and go more to the, the sepias and the other colors that don't do that. So I think that does play some role. But I don't want people tiptoeing and walking on eggs through their life worried about all these little things. I'd rather have just some broad common sense things. So yes, you know, uh, if I'm watching TV at night, I'm not worried about the color of the screen. Uh, on my iPhone, I'm going to have the setting go ahead and put it to where it's not a bright light at night. It'll do that automatically. So just some simple, easy things, and that will make a difference. I know a couple people that will have a drink. I don't know if you've said this while the blowing was going on. Have a drink before they go to bed, or marijuana has become a very big thing. Mm -hmm. um, so are those, you know, historically, alcohol is not a good thing before you go to bed because it actually, you, you know, you fall asleep and then you wake up. <laughs> and then, how about marijuana, which is supposed to be such a, you know, relaxing thing? Okay. So as far as alcohol, people throughout recorded history, it's not been uncommon to have a drink before bedtime. And one drink before bedtime, or even two, I think it's fine. It's when you start going to higher levels that it disrupts the sleep cycle and you don't get the deep sleep stages. Um, marijuana works brilliantly for sleep uh, if you don't want to be arrested if you're in a state that has that or whatever, the, the hemp oil. Um, and for hemp oil, the only one that I'm going to use is called Hemp Select. There's a lot of quality control issues with CBD and hemp, but the Hemp Select is brilliant. And, and this is one we, that has THC in it? No THC. It has three to five uh, capsules of that. It'll have, uh, that'll give 30 to 50 milligrams of CBD. But we talk about CBD in the hemp oil, but there are over 10 active cannabinoids. So for those of you who enjoy marijuana, and aren't going to be arrested for doing it, enjoy. You know, it's, it's a very good way to help sleep. But like most things, don't overdo it. See how you feel the next morning. That will tell you what's optimal. And then also, does it, you know, if they're using it as a sleep crutch, mm -hmm. again, there are other things, and I want to talk a little bit about other things that people can do in their days and their behaviors to be able to prepare them better and have their bodies more prepared for sleep. Like when you... When you start having a crutch, be it I have to smoke a joint before I go to bed, um, sleeping pills that people get, I think, as much psychologically addicted to in some ways as they do physically addicted to. Um, talk about like how do you how do you get off of that? How do you avoid that habit? Well, if, the simple sleep hygiene. Wearing that you won't fall asleep if you don't do it. Yeah, it's you know. The whole thing about addictions and crutches, you have to take a look at the end of the day is how is it working for you? Because we tend to put these judgmental labels, a word like crutch, as opposed to a tool, mm -hmm. talking about the same thing. So, you know. Listen to me, crutch. So, yeah, exactly. So when does it stop serving you? How's it working out for you? Those are really the questions I'm going to look at. What harm is it doing versus what benefit? So for the sleep medications, uh, the standard ones like the Dalmain, Valium family medications, those are addictive. They stop working over time. They're problematic. You have shorter lifespans than people who do those. Um, but for people with severe trouble initiating sleep, Ambien, as long as you don't mind you know, dancing naked down the street and that one in a thousand people who tend to do that. Sleep, um, walk, sleep, drive, sleep. Yeah, stuff like that. But for most people, it, it's not so much addictive as this rebound insomnia, and that's the main downside. But the studies don't show the 
loss of you know the two die younger with it like with a lot of the others um, and that and some people can be very helpful for initiating sleep very low dose trazodone cyclobenzaprine some of these other medications can be helpful but again so i much prefer the natural remedies because that's all that most people need is sleep hygiene routine make the time use the natural remedies if needed you know simple things but also for those of you who wake up in the middle of the night two in the morning that's often low blood sugar and just eating a protein i'm going to underline protein not carb protein snack at bedtime like a hard-boiled egg or a little bit of meat or fish will maintain your blood sugars during sleep so it doesn't plummet and wake you up in the middle of the night is it you wake up I and mean, a lot of people wake up because they have to go to the bathroom um, a lot of people how do, do they know but the difference between the, that blood sugar and the and the pee? And if you're going to wake up, especially with a sweat, or if you're waking up wide awake, that's the adrenaline release from the low blood sugar. Or if you're just like, oh, I got to pee, and they kind of stagger over and back, you know, that's got to pee. But the thing is, a lot of people, everybody's bladder is full in the middle of the night, and people are waking up from other reasons, and they notice their bladder is full, and they think that's why they woke up, and then they go playing the bladder is like a baby so if you woke up a baby three times a night to play it will pretty soon start waking you up three times a night to play so if you wake up and you feel like you have to pee ignore it for a minute or two often you'll over go back to sleep and not have to pee even as much when you wake up in the morning um but if a minute or two later you still got to go then go right okay so i'm getting a bunch of questions from people let me remind people and invite people to ask questions a whole bunch of people are asking about dreaming and crazy dreams and mm -hmm. do they have to worry about if they've got crazy dreams or mm -hmm. get distracted by crazy dreams or does it like does that tie to any other sleep problems mm -hmm. at all yeah so let's talk about nightmares nightmares are awesome i know huh so number one uh nightmares can be triggered by low blood sugar so initially again eat the one ounce or two ounce protein snack at bedtime see if that helps but for the psyche routinely nightmares are reflecting a time of personal growth let me clarify nightmare i think of a nightmare as something scary like i i just got hit by a truck and mm -hmm. is it is a nightmare even i'll call it something kooky like some weird connection so i just want to know what like no, it's scary. Scary. Seriously scary. Okay, it's blood Yeah, sugar. because what's happening is there's different parts of your psyche. We think of ourselves as, hi, I'm Jacob. Like, it's like one thing. Right. But but there's a whole forest of personalities that make up each of us. There's all these different characteristics. And they have their interplay, interaction, and integration that goes on. And this occurs during sleep. So the nightmares are often kind of a, a shift in the balance and of the different aspects of who we are, the coming into kind of a coming togetherness, a wholeness. So the nightmares, although they may be uncomfortable, are often, very often, a reflection of personal growth and take it in that way. And how about other just bizarre? Uh, understand. We have our concept of how things are rational, logical, right. sequential. This is our, in this, platform of reality that we're on that's kind of how it works our senses are geared to interpret everything that way and our society really focuses on what's rational if it's irrational it's somehow bad well most art is irrational because it's reflecting that vaster part of ourselves than just a little microscope of the mind um, and the part of the psyche that's going out to play while we're sleeping is not the rational mind it's the much 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 bigger part of us that finally gets to be itself and it's not going to be rational, and thank God it's not. 
should people like if they have those just you know kind of like meditation when when ideas come through just let them pass and go oh that's funny or should they write them down if they wanted to learn from them later i'm because there's a whole study of dreams like is it, yeah. it can become a distraction some people do are very vivid dreamers some people not so much but you know I, if you wake up in the middle of night, you got some weird dream you don't want it to hold you from going back to sleep well you can have a little tape recorder you know with your phone will have a, a tape recorder setting and you can just mumble the dream into the phone uh, you know enough that you can understand it and that'll help bring it back the next morning without keeping you wide awake if you want to do the dream interpretation a couple things to remember um, everything in your dream is you. So if you dream of somebody else, like Joe coming after you with a knife, Joe is you in your dream. It's a representation of a part of your psyche. Right. And then the part that's being stabbed is a different part of the psyche that is undergoing a conflict with that part of yourself. Conflict isn't bad here. So it's all you in the dream. And if you start from that, yeah, you're going to... Oh, a fascinating movie. Oh, is what? A fascinating movie. It is a fascinating movie. And understand also that what you're feeling in the dream has nothing to do with what's going on. Yeah. The imagery stands by itself. The feelings don't tell you much. So it's all you. Ignore the feelings because that's a different part of your mind re reacting to the imagery. And just look at the imagery and get a feel. And let your brain won't figure it out. I suspect the reason the imagery is irrational is because it doesn't want to have to all be filtered through the brain. It wants to be itself. And just see how it feels, see how the imagery feels. And you'll be amazed. There's a part of you that knows how to interpret dreams. You know, for me, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to go in kind of a heart-centered space, which is not saying, I like this part of myself and hating that part of myself. Because if, as soon as you do that, that part of yourself is going to disappear into the unconscious. Go love every part of yourself. Go and not kill it and find it and change it and destroy it, but to simply get to know it and love it. Um, and they will all come to you. There's nothing that doesn't love to be unconditionally loved. Love it all. And then just let the feelings guide you. And you'll be amazed at how you're going to start noticing that you can get a sense of what these dreams are doing. I mean, my wife, as she has the dreams, it's the morning honey. So, okay, what does that dream mean? It's like, okay, no. <laughs> but that's the thing again back to you know, kind of people being like we want to sleep but people that have sleep problems almost become afraid of sleep but if you really look at sleep as this delicious time of um regrowth rebirth like fascinating mm -hmm. movies in our minds it's mm -hmm. it's an it's like its own micro vacation yeah it, it's best bestest movie ever and it's all about us and it doesn't cost any money <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, so you mentioned night sweats, and some people are asking about night sweats. So talk about that for a little bit, because that's often hormonal and blood sugar as well, yes? Yes, night sweats reflect adrenaline release in the middle of the night. So uh, the drops in blood sugar will do that. Uh, drops in estrogen, progesterone will do that, because it triggers an autonomic shift. That's why you get the hot flashes. Acid reflux at nighttime will do that. So if you're noting that some heartburn with it, then, you know, there's good ways to take care of that. That would be a good topic for another show is indigestion, nighttime reflux also. So simple things like that. Um, and I think like when you wake up at like two in the morning with like dripping wet. Yes. So those three things and infections, candida infections, most common. So if you have <clears throat> post-nasal drip, chronic sinusitis or nasal congestion or gas bloating, diarrhea, constipation, that suggests candida overgrowth. That will wake people up with sweats in the middle of the night too. So if all those people that are out there that are asking about this night sweat thing, they're going, now what do I do? 
Okay. Who do they talk to and how do they figure out which it is? Find a holistic doctor, number one. If you're a woman in your 40s, 50s, and you're finding that you have more fatigue, achiness, headache, poor sleep around your menses, then you're getting perimenopausal. And it's, it's, I'm really a good, big proponent of the bioidentical hormone replacement, uh, not this poison that the pharmaceuticals are pushing. Um, and most holistic doctors can take care of that for you. You, you try the bioidentical hormones, the problem goes away, diagnosis made. Um, eat the protein snack at bedtime and hard boiled egg or two, see if that helps. Diagnosis made. Um, if you have the nasal congestion gut symptoms, then treat the candida. If you look at the Cures A to Z app, just look up candida or sinusitis or irritable bowel syndrome. We'll talk about that and takes care of that. Um, take a half a teaspoon of Arm & Hammer baking soda and two ounces of water before you go to bed and take some melatonin. Um, and that will shut off stomach acid and decrease nighttime reflux. And that takes care of the problem, diagnosis made. Okay, there you go. And let's talk about, um, in the time we have left, um, other ways, other strategies to help people with their sleep and prepare their body for sleep. And you've, you've in your in real cures, uh, real causes, real cures, you talk about there are a bunch of behavioral things like exercise. I mean, but but exercising in the morning, not at night, um, and other things through the day that that people should be doing. Yes, again, uh, you want to just like the kids, you want to run the kids and exhaust them during the day, and then nighttime. But you don't want to do the adult form of running, which is to worry about all kinds of stuff. Let it more be play, being active, doing things that you love. And if you're very busy doing things you love, not that you should again be doing, um, then by nighttime, you're going to be tired and ready for sleep. Gotcha. Okay. And you talked already about listing your problems. Like You talked about, you know, doing away with, you know, making a list of the things that you love and the things you don't. Um, I find also helpful, I think this is connected to that, where you just write down, have a piece of paper by your bed and write down whatever it is that's flying through your head so you can put that aside. Absolutely, because when there's more than three things flying through our head, we feel out of control. The brain can juggle three balls at once. And when you throw the fourth one and suddenly it's just all whirling around you and it's just like diffuse, amorphous, and some people anxiety, but stuff. So the simple act of putting them on paper, okay, this, what's going, this, you write them all down. You've taken them off your mind, you put them on paper, and you can even have it in a form of, you know, things to address later, uh, to-do lists, so I don't have to remember, or I've got to go get this because they're out of toilet paper, or whatever. Um, you know, <laughs> make a list, <laughs> take, take it off your mind, put it on paper, and let yourself be ready for sleep. And then we talked about a consistent bedtime and consistent routine. How about, so how about this? You know, people are locked up. There's some, there's great things about being home. And then there's the tensions at home. And they always say, don't go to bed bad. And I think that's something to talk about as well. I mean, you, you and your wife just sound like you've got the greatest relationship, but like, I know in my house, like if I'm mad about what if my kids, my husband, if something emotionally in my family is bothering me, I cannot fall asleep. I have got to get that resolved and ease that because it's just it's inside. And it's funny where to me, I can sleep on it and it goes away. So my wife, Lori, is that was like my you. Problem. <laughs> you know, never go away, man. And for me, it's like, unless we want to strangle each other tonight, I'm going and sleeping over there, you know? So it's a, it's a different thing and it's very personal to each yeah. person, you know? So see what works the best for you and for you as a couple Yeah. and, um, and go with that. There's not a hard and fast you know all right 
Um, that's why I ask these questions. I think because everyone has their things and everyone has their stuff in their mind. All right, let's talk about um, some of this, like supplements. We talked a little about protein at night. But what about some other um, nutritional supplements? Magnesium. We've talked, you, you know, magnesium or CalMag or um, what are some other things? Magnesium, two hundred milligrams a night is awesome for sleep. Just magnesium or calcium magnesium? Uh, no, just magnesium. Okay. Now, again, some people find a little bit of calcium at nighttime helps. I don't like people taking calcium on its own because it, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's not healthy. Right. If you're going to take calcium, there should be a magnesium and preferably vitamin D in it wrapped together at the same mm -hmm. time. So it goes right. to your bones and not to your blood vessels. Um, so some people find calcium helps at night. In that case, I would prefer a glass of milk to a calcium pill. But magnesium, 200 milligrams, awesome at bedtime. Uh, for those who get the hangry during the day, the Adrenaplex uh, will smooth that right out, the adrenal highs and lows and fatigue. Uh, and at nighttime, the sleep tonight or phosphatidylserine, about 60 to 90 minutes before, bring that stress hormone down so you can sleep. Uh, again, revitalizing sleep formula and terrific Cs, those two herbal mixes. Hemp oil, like Hemp Select, or just... <sighs> Whatever preference. I mean, my I prefer tequila myself, but you um, know. no wonder you could you challenge me on the alcohol. Um, let me go back to the hemp for a second, <laughs> or or the smoking of the of the pot, because you said the hemp oil you like does not have THC in it, and mm -hmm. yet if you're smoking it or however else you're taking, you know, full full on marijuana, there is THC. So THC is you don't care one way or another. Is it helpful or is it a hindrance because the hemp oil mm -hmm. that you like does I, not have it in it. I, I, I grew up in the 60s and made me paranoid. So I, yeah. it doesn't work for me. Right. But for those that it works for, it does. So what I'm going to say for all of these things is how do you feel the next morning? Mm -hmm. Do you feel hungover and dopey or do you feel refreshed like you had a good night's sleep? Mm -hmm. And that will answer you for each of these better than I or any other doctor can. Listen to your body. How is it working for you? Right. Gotcha. All right. How about essential oils? Um, um, Yep, the terrific Z's, terrific Z, 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 Z. It's a mix of four essential oils. So it'll include things like Ravensara, lavender. It'll have the uh, the mandarin. It'll have a, a mix of different things. That and essential oils are great. You can even spray some lavender, uh, real lavender, not chemical uh, oil, on your pillow. The smell of lavender has been shown to help ease people into sleep. So whether you're taking it by mouth, whether you just have a dried lavender, you know, spray by, you know, or, or bottle in a vase, whatever it is, uh, that smell of lavender is for hundreds of years, maybe millennia now, been used to help induce and maintain sleep. A little lavender sachet you put under your pillow, be yeah. creative, have fun. Diffusers, whatever, touch mm -hmm. it, put it at your pulse points. Yeah, um, put a little bit on your lip, under your nose. <laughs> there you go. Um, Snort it, no. Um, melatonin. A lot of people, you know, you mentioned it before, and actually we mentioned it the other day that it actually has some benefits for COVID. COVID, yes. Mm -hmm. So talk about that for a sec. Absolutely. Melatonin is a hormone that regulates our day-night cycle, or one of the main ones anyway, and initiates sleep. It tells your body that it's time to go into sleep mode. Uh, but melatonin is a very powerful antioxidant and has multiple immune effects. That uh, also affects the autonomic dysfunction. We talked about the sweats. When you have those sweats at night, that's autonomic dysfunction. Um, and I know that's a big word, and that's a whole other topic anyway. But the... So... The melatonin settles all of that down, and all it takes to get the full effect is three-tenths of a milligram. That will bring you up to where your body normally would be. 
And for the first 20 years of my practice, I, I kept people at that because we didn't have enough experience to know if there would be downsized or danger with the higher doses. But 40 years later, it's we've not seen a single problem with it. So, and there are benefits. So I personally will take five milligrams of melatonin at nighttime, decreases acid reflux at night, help sleep, uh, can decrease. So there's evidence suggesting that it helps even with the COVID infections. Um, preventing the COVID is, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, prevention, but also if you have it and helping the immune function. In other words, it's reasonable. I take five milligrams a night, but if I came down with COVID symptoms, I would bump it to 20 milligrams a day. Okay. As you're talking about, so, so melatonin levels, does, if you, if people are vitamin D deprived or they're not out in the sunshine, so back to the behavioral, should they be sure to get, get some sunshine every day, which will then again, help with the rhythms and help with, with the, um, you know, the melatonin production and everything else? Yes. The current advice to avoid sunshine is insane. Literally. You know, we will look back and and they go, were their doctors insane? And they're going, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you know we we'll look back just like in the old days of cutting open holes in the skull to let out evil spirits for, you yes. know, and it'll be on that kind of level of insane. So avoid sunburn and not sunshine. And getting the sunshine during the day helps keep your day-night rhythms mm -hmm. staying as day-night rhythms instead of the nighttime feeling like it's day and vice versa. So yes, sunshine, good. Sunshine, good. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then last thing, environment. You know, you talk a little bit about a hot bath and a cold room. Yep. So your body has to drop its temperature for sleep. So you'll find that setting the thermostat in the 60s, see what feels best for you, will help deepen the sleep quality. Um, a hot bath, especially if you add a cup or two of Epsom or magnesium salts, will dramatically relax your your muscles at bedtime so for those of you moms out there who are like crazy busy doing you know the work mom everything together give yourself make that nighttime routine your reward time and this is when let your husband or somebody else take care of the kids make sure they're all asleep dry yourself a hot bath not so much in the summertime but put in a cup or two of epsom salts maybe put in some lavender oil get yourself a glass of wine or whatever you like light some candles have some calm enjoyable music even a little piece of chocolate yes it has theobromine but it's okay it's not enough to keep you up when you're doing this reward yourself and just let your body go oh and all that stuff in the day let it just fade away and disappear and stuff you know and then, then rinse yourself off for the magnesium salts. Um, don't go right to sleep because you'll sweat after that kind of thing. So wrap yourself in a nice terry robe or something. Watch something calming and enjoyable and funny or whatever your romance, whatever your preference is, and ease to sleep. I'm half asleep now. You should do. You should do nighttime. Nighttime with Jake. Nighttime. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. I've done a successful exercise in teaching when I've put my audience to sleep. <laughs> oh, I hope. <laughs> last shot, anyone. If you've got questions for Jake, he will be back again, no doubt. Yeah. We had so much fun together. Um, mm -hmm. Do you want to say one last word at all? Just a reminder about sleep and immunity. You know, again, yes. in the day of COVID, in the day, the, you know, it's just so critical as they're looking for drugs and looking for treatments that we have the strongest immune system that we can to protect ourselves. Again, you have a room full of people, you take a bunch of people with AIDS, throw them in. Only one out of three people in the room will catch the infection. Of those 
30% that get the infection, only half will have any symptoms to speak of. So you want to be in that 85% who either doesn't get it or who never even knew they had it. How? One, optimizing sleep, because that's when the immune troops are out there and doing their things. One of the most powerful ways to immune suppress an animal is to sleep deprive it. And we are now getting 30% less sleep on average as a nation than we did 200 years ago. So get your sleep, number one. And again, take a good multivitamin that has zinc, vitamin C, a little bit of vitamin A, and vitamin D because those things are going to really powerfully affect your immune system. I like the energy revitalization system is an excellent one for that. It's a simple powder mix. Um, and it's, it's all in there, it's one drink and you're not taking 50 pills. So these simple things, and also get a sense of humor. Um, constantly being stressed all day by watching the fiction that we have on our TV set that calls itself reality. Um, is really hard on your immune system because your immune system doesn't distinguish between this real and fictional threat and it's constantly on overdrive trying thinking there's something to defend against when there's not. Right. Stand down, soldier, let the immune system relax. Everything is really fine. Turn off the stuff that you watch that leaves you feeling bad. Your immune system will relax and then be there when you need it at full strength. Perfect. Thank you. Hey, give me your website again. I forgot to say it before. Vitality101.com, right? Vitality101.com or for products, it's end, E-N-D, fatigue.com. Gotcha. And the uh, Cures A to Z is the free iPhone app or app for Android and iPhone. And Dr. Jake Teitelbaum, thank you so much for your wisdom. Everybody, don't forget, we'll be back again. I think next week, this might be on Wednesday. We're supposed to be with Dr. Max Gomez. Hopefully he'll be able to do it and won't be pulled onto TV. And um, we're going to talk about the latest news in um, the treatments and the, the whole fight against COVID with him. And go to the YouTube channel, share this, let people know about it, and always put us put comments up about what else you'd like to hear about. Um, and thank you so much for being here, Jake. Thank you so much. They're always there. a pleasure. Be well, everybody. <laughs> I'm talking to Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum about the importance of getting a good night's sleep and how to overcome the challenges that so many of us face in accomplishing this theoretically simple and delightful task. Dr. Teitelbaum has helped thousands of patients find vital health with his balanced perspective on the judicious use of conventional medicine, along with natural strategies to help the body function at its best. He's just one of thousands of top experts who contribute to our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, where we provide guidance to help you live happier, healthier, and wealthier. Our experts share insights, not just on getting good night's sleep, not just on emotional health, but on all aspects of your life, including managing your money, smart home repair, living a healthy life, how to find bargains, unique travel destinations, smart tax strategies, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact check device. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. <laughs>